Welcome to our community. This is Saratoga Beth. Uh, Parsha Shaisen, we are going to speak about prophecy, and we're going to speak about the idea of um, uh, the shift, the, cha- the change in the way that we uh, that we assist people to move forward in their lives. And this is also connected to Navua, from the old classical way to a more Gauladic way. And we're going to just start with a couple of questions. Um, and, and again, when we're motivating others, which we've spoken about many times, what's wrong with just telling them what to do? In the olden days, people asked the question, what should I do? They were told what to do. They did it, and everything went well, or so they tell us. Uh doesn't work anymore. Um, number one, if we definitely know that unsolicited advice definitely doesn't work. Uh, even solicited advice doesn't work. Uh, you know, someone will ask what to do. That's already 15 steps further. They actually ask what to do. And it doesn't mean that they will accept what they were then told to do, because then it depends on the style that they were told to do it. They even ask, you know, tell me, tell me what you think I should do. And then if you tell them in the wrong style that it feels like it's coming too much from above, too much as a directive, then again, the person will, they'll either be polite and they'll say, oh, thank you so much and never do it. And say, oh, right, 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 I forgot what you said. And then you'll tell them again, and they'll say, oh, right, 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 I forgot what you said. Meaning they didn't want to do it. But then why they ask? Well, they weren't prepared for the um, style that it was presented, which means from above, uh, from as a directive rather than as an empowerment. Today, everybody wants to be empowered. So, um, and how much more so if somebody doesn't ask for advice and we give unsolicited advice, well, that's really an invitation for uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, an activity uh, that leads nowhere. So, so let's see how that's all connected to the restoration of prophecy, because it says in the future, the It says in the Navi that your sons and daughters will become prophets, which means they will have a direct flow from above, a divine communication that will be very powerful. And the average person will, as it was, I think, over a thousand years ago. In the days of the Nevi'im, there, I think there were 22,000 Nevi'im at any time, prophets, because prophecy was just in the air and most people could pick up on it and be very accurate in their prophecy, uh, depending on how much you refined yourself. And that will come back, that comes back um, with Mashiach, and we see um, the beginning of it, in my opinion, with the fact that everybody in his uncle is becoming a healer and often very accurate, really being able to read people's uh, personalities, energy, uh, things about their lives that people wonder how they know that, and simply because they can simply read them because it's probably, possibly, the be, um the beginning of the beginning, uh, we know that we're in the beginning of the restoration of prophecy for mankind. And probably this that we see is an example of that. So what does this all have to do with the style of how you motivate people to do it? What is this about prophecy that is all connected to this? So, um, um, 
in this parsha, it says shaitim the shaitim kitam It speaks about how you have to have a shaitit and a shaiter in in every single gateway. When you go through a gateway, when you go from one through a transition, from one year to the next, one month to the next, one day to the next, one one location to the next, from the city to the country, the country to the city, from east coast, west coast, west coast, east coast, North America, South America, you know, whenever you transition, you have to have something at the gate, and it's called a shaitan in the shaitan. And the question is what they are. And also, it says, um, I will restore your shaitan as I did um as I, as I did, I will restore your shaitim, whatever they are, and I will restore your asim. And a, 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 another couple of questions, why does it say Rishayna, Rishayna, bring them back as in the days of old, but it's two different words. And one other question, um, how come it says your shaitim and your yaasim? Okay, so what is the difference? Any transition you go through, you have to have a shaitit, Standing at the gate, and a in the olden days a shaiter. What's the shaiter? The one who tells you what the rule is. Uh, currently, the rule is uh, they're standing at the border, and you come to the border between any two countries, and they say, "Well, show us the uh, results of your PCR test, right? Of your COVID test." That's the rule. That's the shaitit, so to speak. There's a rule. There's someone who tells you the rule. And then there's someone who enforces the rule. Classically, that was the shaitit. The one, as Rashi says, with the big stick, who says, you'd better do it or else. Now, when you come to the border, so they have the rules there. You know, it's in the rule book, although it might change every day, depending on the whims of the government. But... Who enforces it? Well, they have these guys standing at the border, not letting you across the border unless you pat, unless you present your negative PCR test showing that you're in their mind healthy enough to enter their precious country. So the interesting thing is that the way you would motivate people to follow the rule that the rule giver told you was by the fellow with the big stick so to speak, either virtually or literally with the big stick who said, you better do, you better follow this rule or else. In the case of the border, you better follow the rule, get your PCR test and it has to be negative. Otherwise, you're not coming into our country. So um, the interesting thing is in the future, this rule giver, this rule enforcer, the guy with the big stick, the tough love guy will be gone. And will be replaced by a Shiva an advisor. The advisor doesn't tell you with a big stick, you'd better follow the rule or else, but rather the advisor works with you to bring out your own innate desire to follow that rule. Very different. Remember we said at the beginning. You tell somebody what to do and they either politely fall asleep on you. That's how you can tell that they really didn't, they really didn't like your advice. They either fall asleep while you're talking to them and then claim that they were just tired or else they argue with you or else they scream at you 
or else they say, oh, wow, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then they ask you many times after that what what to do because they really had no intention of doing it. So they are all re- – we, we need new methods of getting people to follow the rules because people's energy level, whatever you want to call it, are not set up anymore to just take rules from above. And certainly not set up. They, I guess they never were. If people were set up to take rules from above, then you wouldn't need somebody with a big stick. If, you, if, if what the Shaifet said, what the Shaifet says is true. When you talk about Torah, the Shaifet, the, the, the rule giver, he's giving you Torah truth. Why do you need somebody to motivate you to follow a Torah truth? Why do you need the guy with the shaiter, the guy with the big stick? At every gate, where you come to that gate, at every transition where there's a rule and there's a shaiter, a rug who tells you the rule. Isn't that enough? Why do you need somebody with a big stick saying, making sure you follow the rule? Why don't you feel like you want to follow the rule? And one of the reasons is, is the spirit of impurity that fills the world somehow blocks people's visibility. And they somehow, whether passive-aggressive or aggressive-aggressive, don't want to follow the rule. Even if they ask. See, what's the rule here? Could you tell me? And then passive-aggressive, they don't want to follow the rule. So they will be replaced by and are replaced by the advisor. The Yayat, who knows how to work with you in such a skillful way that you brings out your inner desire to follow the rule, especially if it's a Torah rule. So, um, and one other question. If the name of the Parsha is Parsha Shaisim, it's not called Parsha Shaisim and Shaisim. It's on the name of the rule giver. Why doesn't it say Shaitrim? Parsha Shaitrim and Shaitrim. Because the Shaitr is simply there as an accessory. He's there to help the one who gives you the rule, the Shaitr. Um, um, and so it's not a special mitzvah in itself to, to appoint a motivator, a Shaitr, a policeman. Policemen are just a means to an end. So, of course, you know, when we think about defunding the police, there's a huge amount there. It's very mischievous, the fact that on some level there's a, a desire to defund the police, but not now, not here. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> like, like, like the man who wanted to help clean up the kitchen after Pesach, and so he just, while all the Pesach dishes were still out, he took all the foil off the counters so that he was helping. But now there were hummus stick counters with all the Pesach dishes around, and he took out the Pesach sink. So that wasn't such a help. So you can't defund the police until the spirit of impurity has been taken out of the world and people's instincts are to follow over true rules. We're not, we're not quite there yet. So they're feeling the uh, end result without 
you know, doing the homework, kind of. So, um, here's the question. What is the difference between a shaykhet and a yais? What's the difference between someone who gives the rule and someone who gets you to follow it in a way in which you are moved from within yourself to follow it? The shaykhet, the rule giver, is not on your level. He's completely higher than you. Both in his knowledge, and it's, let's say in this case we're talking about a rav with Torah truth. He's higher than you in his knowledge. He's higher than you in his understanding of Torah, Torah rules of halacha. Um, and also in the bittle that we have to have to him. He's considered, when we ask him that, Shaila, that question, to be on a higher level. We're not equals at that time. He knows more, he understands more. And just in the relationship, it's not a relationship that's set up in which we're supposed to be equals. Not in those moments. What if the rub is your cousin? And you grew up together and you were equals. But as your rub, when you're asking him a shayla as a rub, you're not equal. He's in those moments on a higher level. And the shayla passes the din in a way of a command, a tzivu and a gazera, from above to below, that you have to take it on, take his answer with Kabbalah soul, whether you understand it or not. So that's how it works in that. Now, let's switch. Let's switch gears. A yaya, an advisor, like his name. He gives advice. A sataiva. That shows that that he's on our level in those moments. We're on equal footing. It, he's, when he's giving me advice, she's giving me advice. She's not giving me advice from above. It's not a gazera. It's not a command that I'd better follow or else. But we're standing on the same level. She's not doing it from a place of being higher than me. We're standing on the same level. And she's speaking to me like a good friend, you know, what, person to person, straight. Um, um, and if she gives me an advice that's not a good advice and says, well, you better do it or else, then she, that's, she's no longer doing it as a yayat. That's not an aitha. That's called the gazera. If she's giving me bad advice that doesn't work, and she's saying, well, do it anyway, because I said, she's going to say, hey, do it. But then she has stepped out of the role of yayet, and this is not an experience of, of etza, of advice, of advisor. Now she's acting in the role of, she stepped into the role of the, the rule giver who says, do what I say because I say. And what she's giving me is a command from above, a gazera from above. So that's broken all the rules of Yait. The Yait is an advisor that works with me on my level to arouse in me my inner will, will to do things in the way that would help me follow the rules 
that are in front of me. So, um, so which one's better? The Mayavayayat, an advisor, is it's it's on my level. It goes into me in a penis, in my inner being. I feel that it's advice that's good for me. The Mayavayayat is the rule giver, that it comes as a hayra, a command of the shaifet, he's way higher than me. And it has the kayak of Tyra, he has the kayak of Tyra to paskin dinim, and he has a way higher infusion of kayak to do that than my advisor. My advisor comes from above, a command. Kind of, I'm forced to follow what he says. The yayat gives me an etza, and I have a choice whether to do it or not. By the way, if I didn't say at the beginning, this year is Li'uli Nishmas Arn Ben Nendel. Maybe I said at the beginning, he keeps around the my offer. Okay. So, we need both in life. We need an Avaita in which we do things on our own. Not all of life and not all of Jewish life can be through commands. Judaism is not all about commands. Many people think it is. They say, wait, isn't Yiddishkeit all about Nasa Nishma? We'll do and we will then find out. But remember that we said we will do and we will find out. If I choose, if I say, okay, whatever you tell me to do, I will do. I'm choosing that. At any moment, I can I can pull out of the game and say, no, I don't want to play this game anymore. So that's not really a command. You know, when we when we were kids, I remember that I would go with a friend, and we would go to we we would go somewhere. I remember to would say, well, what should we order? Um, a milkshake or a ice cream soda? And we couldn't decide, so we would say to each other, okay, I'll close my eyes, you order whatever you want, and then when it arrives in front of me, tell me to open my eyes, and it'll be a surprise. That means we chose, we couldn't figure out which one would be more fun, so we just said, you choose, and I will be good with it. But remember, it was a game. And if at any point, you know, like, why do you keep ordering me milkshakes? I don't want milkshakes. Too bad, drink them. Then we say, I don't want to play this game anymore. So, it was, so to speak, a game. Okay, you tell me what to do. I will depend on you. I will trust you. Whatever you say to do, drink a milkshake, I'll drink a milkshake. Drink a a, a ice cream soda, I'll drink an ice cream soda. That's what we decided, but I chose it. Once it's not working for me anymore, I, sorry, I pull out of this game. You're being too heavy. Don't tell me what to do in my life. So the advantage of being told from above is, well, all the advantages that come from a much higher place, you don't have to make decisions, there are a whole lot of advantages. It can come from a very wise place. And the one who's telling you, if you're talking about a rub, he's coming from a way higher place than I could reach myself. But I haven't necessarily internalized it. 
said, well, why do you... Somebody was discussing on in Shul this shot of whether swordfish is kosher. I never heard that it was. Um, and they were saying that they went to a place where people said that it is kosher. Of course, I was thinking, again, in my mind, that I didn't bother saying fish doesn't seem that interesting and the various different different kinds of fishes are don't seem that different in taste or that interesting that who cares? That's for me. Who cares? Like, why what? You know, there's so many other fish. Just eat whatever. Who cares? Who needs swordfish to be kosher? Just what's wrong with the other kosher fish? However, that's me. And the people who are real connoisseurs of fish, it's a real big thing for them. Is it kosher or not? I, mean, I think it's not. So for them to be told, just eat the fish that are kosher. Stop making everybody crazy. Would not work. Because that's coming as a command. We're telling them what to do. Eat the other fish. Do not eat this fish. Don't ask this question anymore. Mm-mm. That's, that's a process that's coming from above. That's like a shaitan. There's an advantage to it. If a rub says, swordfish is not kosher, the end. Coming from a very high place, and it infuses a person with a very great kaifas. But they may never accept it. And 50 years later, they they may still be asking the same question. You can see them in show, you know, 30 years from now, say, and they're still asking the same question. You say, 30 years later, you're still wondering, like, give it up. What have you been doing? Eat other fish. Very easy for me to say. I'm not that much of a connoisseur of fish. So for them, they haven't yet internalized the answer. 30 years later, they still didn't internalize the answer. They're still hoping that someone will tell them that swordfish is kosher. Yes, swordfish must taste really good. So, um, and the yayat, the advisor, the advisor helps one from below. I remember actually, I think I've said this several times, being at a shear, there's a shear in Hebrew in Montreal, and the speaker was talking about very lofty things that are difficult difficult to achieve in terms of ways to feel about other people. Not simple at all. And one woman was very upset. She said, like, come on. Come on. And she was fighting the whole time. You know, like, come on. You, you do that. You live like that. Come on. Do me a favor. And then one of us said to her, He's just giving us a vision of 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 the what's the word um, panoramic view of what we're capable of achieving with with our highest self. He's not telling us you'd better do it or else you're a failure. God forbid. He's just giving. He's opening us up to a higher self, a higher aspect of ourselves. That's all. And she went like this. She had been fighting the whole time. And when she heard that, she said, ah. And after that, she was completely different. Whatever he said, she said, oh, nice, very nice, very nice. That thing that got in the way, like, yeah, you're going to tell me to live like this? Ava, Asmis, or whatever it was. Get out of here. But once we opened her up as advisors to what this, why he was saying this, her opposition was out of the way, 
it went deep inside her, and she said, ah, I see. And she was able to hear everything he said after that. Very, very interesting, very different. Um, and, and after that, actually, she went through some major life experiences in her relationship, quite, quite, quite major, that went in a not so positive direction. And then about a year later, it was that problem was fixed and that breakage was fixed and a reconnection that was very powerful. And maybe that speaker who spoke those high Avasmic things to her really, they plant, maybe he planted seeds in her that, um, when the moment came of the, the identity crisis or who am I and who am I in this relationship, when that moment came, maybe those seeds that he planted then started to sprout at that moment and enabled her to take, to make a difficult choice, a good difficult choice that not so many people are able, have the courage to take. And she did it. And she seems um, pretty good now, thank God. So, um, So let's just spend a minute looking at, you know, these expressions that explain the difference between the one who gives you a command from above, that he's, he will be brought back, the shaitan, the one who gives you a command from above, will be restored to society the way it was originally when things were good. And the shaitan will come back to Gurishina and the yayat to Vatila. They will both come back as it was once, once, once upon a time. But it's two different expressions to once upon a time, basically. And because one is called bringing bring back the Shaifat to Rishayna and the other one's Tefillah. Because um, one is before the thing happens. Rishon is, um, be, can be before the thing happens. And, and Tefillah can be once it's already happening. What does that mean? It's pretty cryptic. That's the difference between bringing back the shaisa, and Bring it back the way it was. Since the pa'ula, what does the shaisa do? There the emphasis is on him. When someone gives you a command from above, the emphasis is on him. And it comes as a command from above. And you are not that, you are not the focus of this whole interaction. The focus is on what he tells you to do and him. You you are the mm, behind-the-scenes recipient. That's in this interaction. With the shaitan, you are the recipient. You are less significant here. The focus is not on you. Only in this interaction. And therefore, there's going to be an interruption. He says, you need to do this. And before you do it, you kind of swallow hard and then do it. By definition, there's nothing wrong with you if there's a, 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 a hesitation or an interruption because he's not on your level. So it's not a flow from his level down to you. And when there's a command, a command does not flow directly into somebody doing what the command was. Definition. Fact. 
If I say everybody now uh, eat chocolate right this second, not everybody's going to jump up at it at that split second eat chocolate. They're not. They're going to, well, I don't think I feel like chocolate. Uh, oh, yeah, okay, I do. There's going to be a, a hesitation. That's the way it goes when you get a command. There's nothing wrong with us if we do. The words of the shaifet and us doing them, there's an interruption between them. Because after the psaktin of the shaifet, something brand new begins. So why do we hesitate? Something is about to start that never was before. So there's a hesitation because an old era, an old time period in history has to come to an end. And a whole new period in history has to begin that never was before. The shaykh that says to you, do this, end of story. That era in history in which he tells you, tells you to do that comes to an end. When you then decide to do it, you have stepped into a new era in history. Something brand new is being created. When you accept the din, the rule of the one who gives the rule, the balhadin of the rav, you have stepped into a brand new, fresh space that didn't exist, and a fresh energy that never existed before. And therefore, it says, bring back Shaykh Rishaina. The Shaykhim that will be brought back will be like Rishaina. They will be, the Shaykh that speaks before you do it. His speaking does not directly flow into you doing it. He speaks. And then after that, there's a whole new thing going on, which is you do it. Not a flow. He speaks before the whole new thing starts to happen. A yaye, an advisor, there the emphasis is on you, the receiver, the receiver of the advice, not on him. The one who hears the advice needs to be a fitting vessel for that advice. And when the advice is said, it's with the understanding that it needs to be said so that the one who's hearing it will be able to accept it. And we need to really break our, you know, really work hard to figure out how to speak in a way that will be accepted by them. Sometimes it's a lot of work to figure out how to get them to hear it on their level. Today, when you want somebody to hear and follow what you say, you need to present it in a way that's very, very appetizing, tantalizing, pleasurable, and tasty for them. Otherwise, as we said, one of the many different reactions. They can be angry, they can fight with you, they can resist, they can argue with you, or they can say, thank you so much, that was really nice, beautiful, and they fall asleep either aggressive-aggressive or passive-aggressive. If I am not speaking to someone in a way that is delicious for them, 
they will resist, either strongly or weak or or more passively. So, um, because when I give an ASA an advice, it shows that it began already. It shows that the minute, remember, that creates a flow. That creates a flow in which the second that you give the advice, it's already beginning to happen. It's already beginning to happen. The famous example that I've said many times is, Many years ago, 40 years ago, Lubavitcher ever said in the Fabrian, late at night, that everybody should have a pushka built onto the kitchen wall, built into the kitchen wall with a nail so that it becomes part of the house, becomes part of the home, so that it creates the home into a tzedakah home. It transforms the very fabric of the home. And he gives tzedakah before we cook. But but even more significantly, this pushka needs to be nailed to the wall, tacked to the wall in a temporary situation, scotch tape, but it has to be connected, part of the wall, not sitting on a shelf, part of the wall. So family was at the Fabrengen, and they came home, and it was 2 in the morning, and they had a guest with them, and they pulled out hammer and nails and they started to bang into the wall and the guest asked what 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 are you what are you what are you doing at two in the morning and they said we're connecting we're nailing our pushka to the wall I said why did you hear the rabbi speak and say that every jewish home has to have a pushka connected to the wall especially in the kitchen and they said yeah i mean i vaguely heard it but so go to sleep. Tomorrow you'll do you'll do it tomorrow like normal people. You'll do it when you wake up. You know you'll do it after you daven or something. And they said what? If the Rebbe spoke about this and the importance of doing it, so to speak, what they were saying is, what? Well, how do we go to sleep and wait and then get up tomorrow and do it? It needs to be a flow. He's speaking, and as he's speaking, it comes into being, and it's already happening on our on our wall. So the minute they came into their house, for them it was obvious and logical that the flow continues from the Rebbe's words to their wall, and they could already picture this pushka going on their wall, and therefore they weren't going to go to sleep before they put it on their wall. So that's the idea of a jayat, an advisor who speaks to you on your level so that you, um, it's a flow. As soon as you hear the word, it starts to happen. And we're going to sum up with this. Um, The thing has begun because the one who hears it is ready. The Eitha the advice is only to reveal re, the the advice is already just uh external expression of it. You're ready. You know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, that's what it is. The teacher, when the student is ready, the teacher has to appear in a way as an advisor. And in a time as soon as 
as soon as the advice is given, the thing begins, as in the story that I just said. And that's why it says, Bring back your Yoatim as it was once upon a time. That the Yoatim, the advisors, who will be, come back in Yemaisa Mashiach, are connected with the things being done already. And we'll end with this. So what does that mean? Our task today is to advise the world, to learn to speak to the world, to each and every one, not even just the people, but anything we interact with, anybody we interact with. Every, everybody and everything that we interact with has to be in a is preferable to be, as they have to, is preferable that it be in a way as a yayat. Once you approach the world as a yayat, a yayat means you're skillfully approaching the world with in mind, uh, having in mind what that world, what that world's particular needs or what that person's particular needs are in terms of getting them to their next step. Not only getting them to their next step, getting them to their next step as a flow. Meaning, you know you've done it right. If the minute, if if as you're speaking, you say, well, what's that noise in the background? You say, well, I'm starting to do what you told me to do. Then you know you've done it right. If If there's a hesitation, and then they, okay, well, I'll do it later. Then you know you haven't done it right. You're still giving a command from above. But as a yayat, if there's a flow from you speak and they begin to do it, then you know that you, you, you've done it right. So, and that's why it says, it's in the second tense. Your, your advisors, your Bring back your advisors because the advisor is there for you to be there on your level. So we say, Hashem, speak to us in a way that we can understand and bring us to speak to the world in a way that, that the whole world will understand so that immediately now when we defund, they defund the police, it will be because, because the world has become so full of the knowledge of Hashem, of God, that there will be no more need for police, and it should be immediately now in the Gula Meet, especially immediately now. And they keep the run and shock me up for our Ben Mendel.